0: All right. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Has Media podcast. I'm your host, Harry O'Brien. Sat here today with Jack O'Connor. Jack O'Connor is a young entrepreneur. He has set up, a, is it Moyo Nua? Is That's what it's called? It. Like?
1: Yeah. Got it one.
0: Got it one. It's, a. It's hard to explain. We'll get into that now. How do you wanna explain it? Yeah, what, for
1: sure. I uh, suppose first of all, thanks very much for having me, Harry. Massively appreciate it. It's um but yeah, in a nutshell, Moyunua is an agricultural solutions provider for small scale farmers in rural Africa. Um, just improves the farming efficiency in the farming process as a whole for farmers that farm by hand.
0: So it's like I was looking at photos of it, it's like a big long pipe, a metal pipe.
1: Essentially, yeah. It, it's basically, as I like to call it, a, not a good marketer, but it's basically a spade and a stick is the main product that's being used at the moment. Um, it's a it's, a bamboo, it's a hollowed out bamboo um, pole with a metal head fixed to the end of it. And what it does is it just allows farmers to plant to plant by hand, which they normally do, um, without the need for bending over. So, you know, less labor intensive uh, improves the efficiency of the planting and as well as that improves the speed.
0: So it's basically yeah a big a spade on the bottom of a long bamboo pole, and what is it? They just like drop dig it, the it. hole and drop it down the to drop yeah. the seed down the hole.
1: That's exactly basically. If javelins were to be made out of bamboo, that's what it would look like.
0: Okay, okay, cool. So it, it stops them from having to like bend over with a spade,
1: and that's exactly. It. I suppose like we're all kind of used to the image that you kind of see on like campaigns and whatnot of you know farmers just using a handheld hole, um, which is just bending over and it, it basically it's a problem that shouldn't exist, you know, like not whatsoever, not in today's society, not with all the things and, the, and the developments and infrastructure, technologies and so on and so forth. It's, uh, it's just an issue that quite simply shouldn't exist. And the planter certainly isn't a silver bullet, not by any stretch of the imagination, nor is moyo Nua, but it's, it's just trying to like fix those extremely solvable problems.
0: Does it not fix that problem though of of having to bend over? What's What's the big problem that it doesn't solve?
1: Yeah, it does. So like, I suppose when you're, you can imagine the process of like bending over, having to plant seeds, um, like I'm by no stretch of the imagination a fit person, but if you're doing that consistently day in, day out, it's going to catch up with you, um, you know, from the health benefits, first and foremost, from having to bend over to do like an extremely non-intuitive that labor intense process, such as hand planting, but then as well, you also have the, like the efficiency the time taken and, um, you know, the actual effectiveness of seed planting as well. Uh, which kind of goes more into the process of planting as opposed to the product itself, but there's just there's just a couple of issues there to kind of like all wrap around each other um, in a pretty simple way, uh, and that's kind of where the planter comes in. It just kind of takes all those boxes there for for farmers that have to farm by hand.
0: Yeah, so they don't they're not getting back problems later in life.
1: Basically, yeah, that's exactly it.
0: And you were saying the last day the idea came from BT Young Scientist, did it? Where right. it started?
1: Yeah, it all started there back at the BT Young Scientist in twenty seventeen. So I was in sixth year when I applied um, with the project. With the it was a metal planter back then, and um, yeah, like I had entered the Young Scientist, I qualified for the Young Scientist three times before with like different random hairbrained ideas, it's, uh, And like at the time, that was the fourth hairbrained idea. There was no, um, there was no thought of like moving forward with it, certainly to where it is now. And uh, yeah, entered into Young Scientist, was fortunate to get accepted and even more fortunate to win the Science of Development Award, which is sponsored by Irish Aid, uh, which included a 10-day R&D trip over to Malawi the following year in 2018. So that was kind of like the main inflection point for for Moya Nua's existence.
0: So you applied initially with a metal pipe?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. So it's uh, like bells and whistles. Like it was a very, it was a needlessly technical object uh, insofar as like it was like you know, a, a silver patent on that design on that prototype, um, the initial one, and it was good. It kind of proved the concept of having to, you know, eliminate the need for bending over. That was exactly it. Like you know, you could drop seeds in there. Was like triggers, bells, whistles. Like it looked so fancy. But I suppose when we went over on a trip, we realized it wasn't all that practical. Insofar as like the analogy I always kind of uses: if that prototype breaks down here in Ireland, we go to home base, we get a new one. grand, happy days. If a part goes in you know the Chikwawa district of Malawi for example because that's where the pilot was you could be waiting months if not longer to get a very simple part and if the and if you know there were certain parts in that project which is beyond competencies or like the technical capabilities of let's say a blacksmith for example which is who we operate on the ground with now currently um so we just have to like you know make a couple of changes there and that's where the, the idea of the bamboo comes along bamboo is locally sourced in the vast majority of these regions the coffee belt, essentially, so. Sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America, and South and East Asia, and kind of took it from there.
0: Where did the idea come from? I was reading online; it came from watching a documentary, did it?
1: Yeah, so it was kind of like a combination of two things. It's um like first of all, there was a documentary called "Living on a Dollar," which just followed uh, three US teens who travel to Guatemala, and as the title suggests, lives on the you know the dollar a day, the, the line of extreme poverty. And um, when they were over there, they, they were commenting frequently and they had to frequently partake in this hand planting, which was using the whole, which was, you know, backbreaking, laborious. And they were kind of given out about it. So that kind of sparked the interest in so far as like there were issues there. And then when young scientists came along, um, one of my teachers inside in the school in Desmond College um, kind of started saying that like, you know, like there's actually a couple of issues here. Instead of like delving into it a bit more, it was kind of started throwing ideas off the wall. Uh, quite simply, and kind of settled on the idea of a handheld planter to uh, initially eliminate the need for bending over.
0: So, you, so you 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 thought of that idea, and then did you like say to your teacher?
1: It's you like, yeah, so like between the two of us, like you know, it was kind of like throwing ideas like to the whiteboard behind me. I mean, it wasn't too far off what we were doing. I was uh, I was invigilating for the leaving start at the time, so it was the summer between fifth year and sixth year. So I kind of had to somewhere there just like play around with a couple of ideas, like different ones. It wasn't just plants at the time. We were looking at random, like very random things at the start. Realized that kind of a hand planter would make the most sense so far as like fairly easy to do for a science project, you know, for the BT Young scientists, and um, would be effective if the hypothesis worked out, which thankfully it did.
0: Cool. So you did that, and you did it with your friend as well, didn't you? I did, yeah, I
1: did indeed. So there was two of us in sixth year um, who did it at the time, and then off the back of that, yeah, got the award and traveled off over to Malawi. Uh, unfortunately, like, you know, we both went to separate colleges. So, like, you know, once the big dreaded leaving cert was all finished up with, the idea was dead for a while. Um, I then, like, after about a year or so, after the Malawi trip, more so, just decided, like, I, I'd take it on. So I chatted with him and I uh, decided to take it on fully myself after that.
0: Okay. And um, so the that 10-day trip to Malawi <coughs> was... Part of that was all paid for. That was part of the BT Young Scientists getting that science development
1: thing. That was it. It was essentially a bursary. You know, I it was a travel bursary. So we traveled over with an NGO called South Help Africa. Uh, they're based up in Dublin, but like they operate, as the name suggests, across quite a number of countries in, in sub Saharan Africa, uh, continental Africa, actually. And um, went over there. So that was sponsored by Irish Aid, but went over with South Help Africa. And like we brought the initial prototype there. We brought the metal one, the, like the initial prototype over on the ground. So it was good to actually. Field test the planter, if you are pardon the pun, and chat with farmers themselves on the ground, because at the end of the day, and it's something that still carries even more true to this day, like, the farmer first, it's, it's user centricity for everything the Moyanua does, because at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, there's no point in doing it. And, uh, that's where the idea from the bamboo came, from chatting with a couple of farmers there who mentioned, like, look at potentially making this out of bamboo. Um, drives down the cost massively as well, like makes it so much easier to produce, and then, like, you know, you have, like, local value creation, because local blacksmiths can make it, as opposed to getting, you know, mass-produced over the likes of China, India, Pakistan. So, you know, there's a couple of benefits there from, from using the bamboo, but certainly the availability is kind of the um, the primary highlight there.
0: Damn! So you got some plane over to the Malawi.
1: Yeah, that's it. So it was Dublin to Addis in Ethiopia, um, and then Addis down to Lilongwe in Malawi, and then there was a, some sort of a land rover hired out or rented out between however many of us it's, uh, and just had to gallivanting essentially then to the, uh, to the partner farms. That's um, that Africa we're operating with, you know, and like we, we got some pretty good trips as well. Like inside Malawi, we went to um, Luana university, which is like the long way university for agricultural and natural resources uh, could be corrected on that. And as well as that, we went over to the embassy uh, in Malawi there, the Irish embassy over there. So it was that, you know, there was a couple of things there. It wasn't just field testing.
0: Cool. Cool. So you got that. Um, then you entered Anactus. What made you enter? In the, it was. It was. Did you join the society or did you just enter the competition?
1: Uh, so there wasn't actually. Yeah, it was a group at the time. There wasn't actually a formal society. That's since changed in the University of Liverpool. But uh, yeah, like I had kind of suppose Moenua didn't exist when I joined Anactus. And so far as it was finished as a young scientist project, this was before the trip to. This was before the trip to Malawi cause the trip to Malawi happened a year after um, the Young scientist, So there was about a year there where, like, nothing happened with the project. Because that's what kind of happens with most Young Scientists projects anyways. You know, you go in, you compete, have a bit of fun, and then you leave it at that. And that's exactly what happened with the planter for a while. Uh, but then entered Enactus, uh, which was, like, a social enterprise competition, a global one. Um, but there was obviously the branch in the University of Limerick. Entered just because I wanted to join societies. Had an interest in business with the social side of things. Like, I mean, I've been volunteering and like, since... Jesus years, years upon years, uh, getting dragged into different events, stuff like that from my father. And, um, just kind of entered it there. And then there was a, um, at the national competition, which happens every year, there was a pitch competition. You just pitch an idea and uh, I was going to pitch a separate idea and I had a f- full pitch ready to go. And one of the girls mentioned to me, like, pitch to plan the planter project. Cause that was maybe two months after Malawi, um, pitch the idea. Cause I had a bit of an idea there, which changed a million at one time since pitch the idea at the, um, at the pitching competition there, won it outright. And you know, I was like, all right, better make something of this So, And uh jumped into there at the start of the summer of 2018 as like a social enterprise project. And uh that was probably like the main point in so far as it transitioning from a science project into you know what it is today.
0: So you start off this start just as like a conversation with your teacher about an idea for BT Young Scientists. Yeah. Then you you, won- you obviously did a really good project. You won the science and development bursary. A year later, you're flown over to Malawi. Then you kind of just see an actus and decide to join. And then you remember the thing you've done for BT Young Scientists, and you've actually been to Malawi. And obviously, none of the other uh, ideas had been to, like they hadn't gone to Malawi to research their project. So you had a bit of an unfair advantage there. <laughs> yeah. And you won that. So you seem to kind of almost stumbled into it.
1: Oh, way. without question. Like, there is no doubt about that. And, like, full disclosure, as I always say to people, like, the, the idea of entering the Young Scientists' in six years was to get a week off school at the very start. I'm never going to make any glorious, any, like, no glorious divine intervention startup story here. It's, um, I loved Young Scientists and I still do to this day. Like, I volunteered every year, like, about last year because of COVID. Um, just love the crack there. Just love enjoying, like, you know, seeing the new ideas, meeting new people and just, having discussions about things that previously I would have had no idea about. It's, um, and then from there, like, as you said, just stumbled into, and like kept stumbling for a long time. It's uh, slowly finding the feet now, but subject to being uh, made a fool of again. But I uh, like to think that Mojana uh, well, is in a bit of a better position now that, as it was a couple of years back. It
0: probably is, yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that later because you ha- it is even more successful now than it was before. But it kind of speaks to like, like, you know, they, like, You didn't have a five-year goal or anything like that. You just into doing what you enjoyed and yeah. um, following your passion. It kind of speaks to that. Like if you just follow your passion, you'll be all right.
1: Yeah. Oh, like without without doubt. But I suppose like it's that is easier said than done. You know, and I think we all know that as well. It's um, it could be difficult because like even like for a long time, like there was no chance that Moana would ever be eligible for like you know where it is today as far as like completing a pilot and all that sort of stuff for you having good partners and things it's um and it was difficult because like you know like i would have gone to university through the access program uh through the here scheme so like you know like you're talking full ride special through the maintenance grant even still to this day um and like having to do one job two job at the weekends or the evenings or anything like that to try to like, support education and um that really took away from all you knew that's why it's been so long you know so it, it's kind of in a weird phase at the moment as far as it's kind of like it's a startup, but it's also almost that scale-up position, which is a very weird thing to happen at the same time. Um, but that's where it's becoming about. You know, Following your passions is one thing. You have to make sure the passion kind of makes sense as well. And you kind of have to work around it until the, until the passion makes sense, which has definitely been my journey through college so far.
0: So you're saying like, yeah, good to follow your passion. But make sure it puts food on the table. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, like you I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, like I'm a major idealist. Um like hand planting is <laughs> like that's an idealist vision right there. But um you have to be pragmatic as well. You know, and I like I've learned that the hard way a couple of times. Uh but with that said, would still never let the idealism fade away in tur or like in favor of I suppose like supposed the common pattern, mundanity, whatever you want to call it. Like I've I've tried I can safely say I have tried office jobs, I have tried corporate jobs, I have tried other things it's just not a fit. If it's not, like at the moment, to be quite frank with Jahari, if it's not Moya Nua, I'm not, you know, if it doesn't develop me or it doesn't develop Moya Nua, I don't see myself lasting too long in there and I'm a bad track record of kind of leaving things early in favor of, of chasing Moya Nua or chasing other, you know, personal development, stuff like that.
0: Okay, so what are you doing for people who don't know me and Jack met each other through the Washington Ireland program, which is kind of like a, an internship? You do an internship for a crowd in America what, why did you join that so if that's not that's taking your time away from why i knew
1: it yeah because it feeds into the personal development side of things it's uh and like whatever about the enterprise side of things like you have to develop the entrepreneur just as much if not more especially like i want to do that now while i still can um and just gain these experiences like i'd, I'd applied for whip two years ago and didn't get it um and I had just seen, like, I think what we've both seen at the moment is that it is like you learn some absolutely amazing things. You meet some really interesting, cool people, and you just develop yourself in a way that would not be possible if you weren't in WIP. Uh, and I could say that with fairly good conviction. Like, I've been fortunate to be, been, you know, involved in different organizations and different kind of accelerated courses and all that sort of stuff over the years. And after two weeks of WIP, I can already tell it's going to be a major one for me. It's, um, so it's just kind of like, you know, looking at the long term um as opposed to like uh, similar to what we kind of mentioned earlier rather than just consistently focusing on short-term stuff just focusing on the longer-term thinking and that longer-term development
0: okay and what does make whip so good in your view
1: it's um to be honest yeah i think it's the exposure like it's still it's very early days at the moment like we're only in like properly week two now like the you know second real week of things um but i think it's just the exposure to the different ideas to the different people um the fact is for me, like I just have it like I have an insane curiosity about anything in general. It could be like you have me on a pub quiz and you're doing fairly well for yourself because I love random things <laughs> as well. It's um, but it's just kind of challenging your own perceptions, challenging your own thought processes as well, which I've already had done in the best way possible. Um, you know, fallibilism is a really important thing, like insofar as like not assuming that everything is absolutely definitively true. And always trying to like seek different answers, trying to seek you know, new information. Um, and and that's what I think WIP provides, you know, and it's a really good environment that you can challenge each other and challenge yourself more so. But in an environment that is mutually beneficial rather than you know confrontation or stuff, I think we're all kind of used to those sorts of environments where it's um kind of kill or be killed sometimes in, in that way. But like yeah. WIP, I can guarantee it won't be like that.
0: Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> because I've been kind of getting annoyed with these like what was the thing we had to do like the research three of your passions and all that those kind of little to-do they, they annoy me by <laughs>
1: yeah see like people. that that gives me an excuse to go down rabbit holes so i'm always going to jump at an opportunity like that
0: all right yeah i suppose it does yeah it's an excuse to because like you when you watch that documentary like that that wouldn't that wasn't study you know but sure look look where it led you like yeah
1: that's it but like that's always been it like i, I would i can safely say i'm not the most academic of people um but I do have that curiosity for just learning things learning things for the sake of knowing it um you know going down things just to kind of educate myself a bit more and just figure things out it's um without always having like you know an ulterior motive or like a long like you know an angle or anything like that I just kind of like learning things really
0: yeah and you 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 almost learn things without even knowing you're learning and you're doing so much more when you are kind of Going down those rabbit
1: holes, like yeah, oh, that's exactly it. Like major fan of rabbit holes. I call them that. It's probably like you know, procrastination could be a good term for it, also. But rabbit hole sounds nicer.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to start saying that actually from yeah. now
1: on. Productive procrastination.
0: <laughs> productive procrastination. There's definitely a thing. There's a there's a certain level of productive procrastination.
1: Oh, definitely. Around. I like to think so. That's what I keep telling myself, anyways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, in lockdown. Yeah, it's productive, productive. procrastination. Yeah yeah you know I'm not just on youtube for seven hours' I'm just wasting my time and um, you mentioned earlier actually your dad hmm. your dad is is he involved in an actor or a startups and that no kind of
1: no not at all it's um like just from like volunteering and stuff like that like um just different things really like you know in the local community like in the local village where we're from um and like stuff like that like we'd have done a lot of work with a uh, Milford hospice inside in Limerick is like a part of care center um and just kind of different things that kind of showed me the importance i suppose indirectly the importance of kind of service um you know to towards for the sake of like because you can't do it like i'm a big proponent of because i can therefore i must um which can be challenging at times but it's just kind of engaging in those things because you can you know like i'd be very community focused myself um and just kind of like you know focusing on the people element of things and that's kind of where the volunteering really came into came into handy um just kind of developing that sense of self
0: and how do you balance the oh i can therefore i must with like like, there's other things you want to do, but, like, oh, I can, like, I can go outside and pick up litter in my village for 10 hours, but I want to sit here and watch YouTube. Like How do you kind of balance that?
1: Yeah, you balance that with great difficulty. Um, And, like, again, I can say that with conviction because I've just been punched in the face enough times from, like, giving away too much of myself and then not having anything for myself, Um, which catches up with you. You can do it in the short term, but, like, I'd be a good man to be able to talk about experiences of, like, burnout, and, like, serious long-term burnout. You know like all the mental health side of things as well how much it can drain you and i know myself i think it's just kind of a, a matter of for me I, can, I can't speak for anybody else it's a highly personal thing like finding your level but i think over time you just kind of learn how much you can give and how much you shouldn't give you know it's and it's just finding that balance and that'll change over time it's um like i'm able to give a lot more myself now because i'm a student i'm grand with pot noodles and cans of galahad um Like when, like, you know, when like the real world hits me in the face and like, you know, in line or downtime, you know, if I have a family or, you know, any sort of financial dependency or anything like that sort of thing, that's going to change how much I give myself as well. It's, um, so it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of a fluid thing that's kind of like constantly evolving in my own opinion. But I think, you know, the more self-awareness you can kind of develop in yourself over time, which is continuous process, um, will kind of stand you insofar as how much, you know, you can actually get away with giving and how much you need to keep for yourself.
0: And you said you've been burned out before. How do you how do you prevent yourself from being burned out, and how do you stop it once you are burned out?
1: Um, prevention is definitely better than cure. And I would say similarly to like the last answer, you like I would kind of know the signs. Um, so like if I start like I can go hundred percent for a while, but I need to get sleep. If I if I if there's a couple of days where I'm not getting sleep, like I start paying for it. Um, like, you know, my mood goes a ways down. I become really cantankerous. I become super cranky. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, the basic checklist, like it's like, you know, eating meals, exercising, um, getting enough rest, getting enough sleep that you're looking after yourself, like very basic fundamentals, but as well as that, making sure you don't take on too much. Um, which I used to be very bad for because I could never say no to an opportunity. Um, and again, over time, like kind of, I suppose as I've developed myself, as I've developed Moeonua, as all of these things have kind of progressed, I've gotten better, just saying no. Because, you know, you can do a hundred things badly, maybe okay, maybe fair. Or else you can try and focus on like doing three, four, five things pretty effectively. And that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. You know? So it's um committing if you're committing to something, you commit to it properly, is is kind of how I go about things, but as well as that just not putting too much on the plate.
0: And what are those couple of things that you're committing to? It's, and what are the couple of things that you're not committing to?
1: Yeah. Um, that's actually a good one. I'm looking forward to, to answering this one probably. What I've committed to properly, um, Moya Nua first and foremost. This summer, like I'll tell you, like I'm recording from the Nexus Innovation Centre, it's the Innovation Centre here in UL. I'm very fortunate to be on a place with Student Inc., it's just a student accelerator program for businesses, um, which happens in like the southwest of Ireland. So I'm here now for the summer just working full time on Moya Nua. Um as well as that in the Into Washington Ireland program for obvious reasons as we already discussed. And other things I'm committed to is like just Actually kind of enjoying the socializing side of things. Obviously, it's difficult with COVID at the moment. But, um, you know, like living in a house of students who are like working, but also just finishing up their studies. So it's nice to kind of be in that environment as well where you can unwind. Like simple things. Went to pitch and pot yesterday. Very basic things. It's important to note that I did win, but that's a separate issue. Um, and as well as that, just kind of like, you know, allowing myself time to unwind and just to chill. Um, like a big de-stressor for me is going for walks weather like this like you know we're blessed with we really good better at the moment i could honestly be outside for two maybe three hours some days just walking um and just listening to music and i suppose that kind of goes into the point that was mentioned previously about like how much do you give and how much do you take for yourself like if i didn't have walks i would crack up um and that kind of like that hits hard during the winter when the weather is really bad and you have to like kind of pick your times well as to when you can go for them because if i don't have walks that's like a big thing for me which i probably should mention in the previous one um in terms of the things of avoidance honestly the, <laughs> i don't know how to phrase it properly so it's um apologies if it's a bit crass or anything like the biggest thing i'm avoiding at the moment is just the negativity of like irrelevant negativity from people and people who are irrelevantly negative um getting really good at closing down the social circles when i need to um i would be very empathetic towards people to a fault like that's it's it's too much it's not a good quality and because of that if people were like very negative or very heavy going that can really affect me can really drag me down as well and um if it's if it's serious issues if they are relevant issues um for sure 100% like I'm there and like you know even like even with the boys or the housemates or anything like that I'm there 110% but if they are like the more pedantic, like gossip or things like that, or just these needlessly uh, pedantic, like childish things, I've zero tolerance for. Um, I used it before, but like, a, and I have no problem with saying no and cutting it out straight away. Um, and just trying to, um, just trying to make the most of my time. Like the last thing I want is to be filling whatever excess of spare time I have with that needless stuff, with like the needless negativity. Um so definitely, like, that's kind of the main thing I'm trying to avoid at the moment. And I'd like to say, I like to think I'm getting pretty good at it. Um, just avoiding, you know, that sort of stuff.
0: And you mentioned exercise there. You go for walks, you do pitch and putt. What other kind of exercise do you
1: do? It's, uh, well, I, I don't know if I can classify pitch as putt now as exercise. It's more shouting at the ball to go into the hole than <laughs> anything else. But um, yeah, like that actually be the main thing. Like I go storm for for It's cardio. Um, I only moved into this place. I only moved into the house there. Well, maybe three weeks ago I think one week four of uh, living here inside in, like Castle Troy by UL um yeah cardio just running that's like you know running walking that's the main thing um probably should definitely should start attending gym a bit more but I just don't do it um so yeah that's kind of the main things in terms of exercise just getting out there I think just getting the heart rate up and just it just kind of gives me time to not only focus but also to think um whether that's listening like most days i'm listening to music loudly i mean like i'm waiting for the tinnitus to kick in but other days in like if i need to especially in the evening now what i'm trying to do every day is like 30 minute walk no music no headphones or anything just walk and just clear the head just like decompress for a while Um, especially after heavy days you know like when you're mixing when you're mixing whip when you're mixing all these things together it could be a busy day like the calendar at the moment jesus it's fairly full on but um yeah, just really take it. It's more the time and kind of like forcing yourself to kind of like step out of whatever bubbles you're in. just kind of like just chill, essentially, you know?
0: Yeah, the walks are huge, but Walks are huge, especially without the music. It's, it's yeah. different. They hit different, man. They different. hit different. They hit different. That's it, boy. That's it. I've noticed that as well myself. Um, I want to go back now to second Moyo, nu- Moyo Nua, Um because we've kind of let on that it's just this like Oh, you won this little competition you had an article in four <laughs> about it like that this isn't no little lemon stand you so you entered the peace and trade competition is that what happened after an actus yeah the peace and trade competition so can you walk me through how you went from yeah winning an actus to going to this
1: so we won the pitch competition at an actus nationals in 2018 that summer started working on it um how it all how all like i have a bad habit of getting involved in notions majority of it's my own fault, self inflicted. But the Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations visited Ireland in August of twenty eighteen and I was invited to speak about the planter project, like as a young scientist thing. Um told I had three minutes to present. Just talk about like you know, the the uh the trip over to Malawi, you know, like roughly about the design. Jack being Jack decided this was the proper time to actually launch. I think it was saying it was called Gemini back then. It wasn't my new at all. And um, to launch Gemini there, so, like, you know, of the three-minute slot, I think up, I think I took up about 12 minutes. Um, So, like, definitely had some, like, foreign affairs secretaries highly frustrated with me. But it's, you know, it is what it is. It's um, so long <laughs> there and invited um, a couple of people from Anactus Ireland to, like, just kind of see, like, what I was planning and what I was thinking. And off the back of that, got an invite. So, every year, there's the Enactus World Cup. Happens, like, in different places all over the world. That year was happening in Silicon Valley, so over San Fran, uh, San Jose direction. And Moynu was selected to kind of like represent Ireland um, at the World Project Fair. It wasn't a competition or anything like that. But like each country
0: was that the enactus. Was that after? Was this after the peace and trade?
1: No, this was before.
0: Before, so you won the enactus. Was that just a Limerick enactus?
1: No, it was a national. It was a national. It was a, it was a national competition with projects, but there was like a sub competition within there where you just pitch an idea, um, and that's what I won. Didn't win the nationals at all. That only happened this year, and. Um, okay so from that went over to the world cup in uh silicon valley and i got chatting to an absolutely fantastic woman called andy garwood from the world trade center association um WTCA were sponsoring an actus for that year for like the world cup and stuff like that you know various sponsors and she mentioned that there was this uh, competition going on it was the first time they were doing it called the peace true trade award which was essentially global competition third level students you know you have to hit like a couple of SDGs and stuff like that it was all like you know fostering international trade so i was like great no hassle. Again, Jack being Jack. Entered Moyanua. Uh, entered Gemini type. No, it was Moya actually at that stage. And won that competition outright. I, you know, had to, like had to do with like pitch decking, like All this sort of stuff. Like proper stuff. No hassle with them. Didn't have a hassle before. Certainly don't have a hassle with them now. And um, that involved a week-long trip. Maybe it was five days over to Mexico. Um, at the World Trade Center General Assembly. So for context, there's a, the World Trade Center Association is a massive global organization. Uh, there's a World Trade Center in Dublin, for example. But there's ones like literally length and breadth of the, of, of the earth. And we went over there, presented like we were the inaugural winners. Um, there was, there was the first time that competition ever happened. So obviously, Moinu was the first ever winner of it, which was pretty nice as well. And as a result of that, you know, pitched over there, got chatting with some great business people and stuff like that. But as you mentioned, got that feature on Forbes as a result, which kind of like added a lot of credibility to the idea. Um, considering at that stage, there were no planters on the ground, like the first time planter hit the ground was. September of last year, so September 2020. So, like, you know, it was really good to get the Forbes article considering we didn't exist on the ground. We were still just an idea.
0: So you won the, it was a national idea competition in Enactus. Essentially. And that sent you over to a global Enactus final in Silicon Valley.
1: Yeah, that was it. So I suppose like a bit more context about Enactus. Generally, it's colleges that compete with each other. So let's say like an Actis UL, an Actis Trinity, and Actis uh, DCU, and you know, NU- NUI all compete on the national level. There's 10 here altogether in Ireland. The winner then of Ireland uh, competes. Well, I think, I think it's now 37 countries in total competed at the World Cup. So, you know, let's say an Actis UL won it this year. First time ever an Actis UL won nationals. So now Anactus UL is now representing Ireland on the world stage. So like we'll be competing as Team Ireland uh, come October. But then there was a separate competition. With uh, or it was it was a showcase, wasn't a competition over the World Cup at the time. Where just different projects, interesting projects, like you know, it was one or two from each country. So let's say like let's say there was about fifty projects altogether. Um, we're just in this big conference or like in this big convention hall and just chatting about the ideas. Like I was just chatting about a showcasing the planter. There was no competition. There was no prize we wanted that specific thing. It's uh, but then off the back of that, that's how the intro came to the World Trade Center or the the, um, the Peace Two Trade Competition.
0: Okay, so you, you win this Idea and act That's not the Nationals. That's not, like, the Nationals is like if you have an actual business, kind of, and then the, you won the Idea, which was a really good idea, yeah. basically. And you went to Silicon Valley, and you were in that for the Idea Competition representing Ireland. You met this woman from the World Trade Center um, organization, yeah. and she told you about this peace and trade competition, which was going on in Ireland. Mm, was it Irish? Yeah, no, like? it was
1: global. It was a global one.
0: It was a global thing. And uh, so you entered that, you got in, uh, you won it, did you? Uh,
1: yeah, won it outright.
0: And where was that?
1: Uh, that will, The competition all took place online, but the prize was scored to Mexico. The
0: prize was go to Mexico. So you went to Mexico for a week. Yeah. What did you do in Mexico?
1: Drank tequila, um, among other things. No, just pitch the idea. Just worked like with business professionals. There was something like, God, I don't even know. There was well over 100 people there um, from all corners of the earth. And um, just walked in the idea, very much so. And, like, we pitched a couple of times, uh, myself and a colleague who was working on morning at the time. And, yeah, it's kind of, like, developing from it a to? business side. Pardon?
0: Who are you pitching it to? Uh,
1: just different. It was just a presentation. Um, So, like, you know, of, like, the World Trade Center members who attended General Assembly, like, they all filed into the room. So there was, like, you know, there was great people. There was people, like, at, you know, just starting off, like, just finished college. And there was also, like, CEOs of global companies. And, like, you know, like, the, the World Trade Center's, you know board was there the foundation was there so like you know got exposure to some very high net worth and high network colleagues who are now colleagues um from a very early stage was a very fortunate thing to do like really helped i suppose enforce that pragmatism um that moyanua has today so
0: they're like consultants to you and your business are they
1: informal consultants it's more so i ring them when there's a fire and i ask them do they have a fire hydrant (laughs) you know
0: okay okay damn damn so it seems like an actus um if you're in it is a really good way to make a network of people who are way outside of your um network you know Mm. and like status
1: without doubt i mean like and again like i alluded to it before like i was going into college like no contacts no like no money man it's um like absolute bottom rung of the ladder and um you know you just volunteer and like you have to put in time like to be fair there was no social life for jack for a very long time um any social life was like you know an afters of like an actus event or like an afters of like you know some sort of business or like a competition or something like that um but yeah like getting involved in those sort of things especially in actors, like having a global network there at your fingertips essentially like you know whether it's true like linkedin or like those in-person events are obviously all online at the moment but like Utilize the socials as best you can also just make those connections, like, you know, and use those shared things such as, like, you know, an active membership to kind of propel your own knowledge, to, to propel your own contact base and, you know, more importantly, propel your own ideas into projects, into startups.
0: Damn, yeah. That's interesting. And so how did you go from, so you won this peace and trade competition, which is a global thing. And did the winner of that automatically get an article in Forbes?
1: No, no. So, like, God bless the comms team at World Trade Center. They did some serious pushing. And um, just got an email one day saying, like, you're booked for an interview with Jenny something from Forbes. Um, we're doing a prep call beforehand to make sure you don't get absolutely riddled with questions. Congrats. <laughs> you know, that was kind of it. And it was like, it was the first time me doing a proper interview as such. For Nua specifically had kind of done it as a as a an idea interview you know like kind of those fluffy business ideas student idea things, very easy questions. Forbes was not that <laughs> whatsoever it's um an interview with Forbes certainly put hair in your chest uh they pulled no punches and was exposed for a lot of things that uh Moyanua wasn't doing or like didn't have in its own plan um which could only be like which couldn't have been acknowledged unless they had actually been brought up so you know. Having the tough love continuously through the process of new and it's something I would actually, like, constantly actively encourage people whenever we're chatting about Moyenua, like, be as, be the devil's advocate. advocate, be as critical as possible. This should be as airtight as possible. Um, and it can't be, cause like, you can't run on good intentions, and the Forbes article definitely made sure that the, that the good intentions are kind of out the window.
0: And what do they expose?
1: It's uh, just glaring flaws, essentially. Like, you know, in, in the entire model, first and foremost, we had no traction. We weren't on the ground, but as well as that kind of worked a lot, I suppose, on our own internal supply chain, like about the pro, about the prototyping, about how we we're actually going to effectively get this made. And uh, more importantly, how we were going to get planters into farmers' hands. Cause at the end of the day, if they don't have them in their hands, they can't use them. And, um, a lot of different elements were very, very rightly. Now, don't get me wrong, the article at the end of the day, was lovely. It was very nice, you know, very complimentary More you know, you know, still focusing on that centricity. Um, But having those sorts of conversations are definitely the best ones you can ever have um, with an idea. It'll toughen you, first and foremost, because your idea, your baby, is getting thrown through the mill, um, if it can be. But with a lot of those conversations, you kind of get better. You know, you get less dumb. Um, that certainly was the case for me, and now I can safely say a lot less dumb than I was when that for you know when the Forbes interview happened. And uh, I would like to change this a lot less holds And as it actually works, that one actually on the ground, which is a you know pretty good sign, I think.
0: That's really interesting. So how how is the, how are you gonna good. produce this and get it into the hands of these Malawian farmers? Yes,
1: yeah, so like we just finished a pilot program there um, in March. It fully finished up. So. And like that pilot program, Jesus, that was the most stressful thing trying to plan out and execute because everything was being tested. It was that new prototype. Well, it was a prototype at the time. Obviously, it's our product we're going forward with. Now it was the bamboo, it was a spade and a stick to glorify javelin. And um, so we had to test everything, like sourcing the bamboo, um, working with blacksmiths on the ground in Malawi. And, you know, getting, like, getting the design over to them, like, you know, the metal head, making sure that it fit, making sure that it was adjustable. Like, there's a couple of different, like, product specific things, which I won't jump into on this question, but getting the supply chain right to ensure, like, a big thing for me with Moyando was that it's local value creation. All the planters can be made by local blacksmiths, you know, without access to electricity, without access to, you know, anything barred of very bare minimum technologies or equipment required to actually be a blacksmith, uh, which is pretty good because we worked in five really rural areas in Malawi which would be considered some of the most impoverished areas. Um insofar as just least developed, there was no conflict or anything like that. We had to make sure it was, you know, a safe environment that we were operating in, especially with the pilot program. But um, you know, there was certainly there's certainly no drive and there's certainly no um, you know, zoomers, NCaster technologies uh, readily available on the ground there. So it was a major stress test for Moya Nua, uh, as a proof of concept. We weren't just testing the product, we weren't just testing the design, we were testing Moya Nua as a whole as to how we would operate getting it from an idea into execution so you know happy to say with the pilot program that everything happened on the ground um it was all coordinated obviously like through you know this side of the water um but you know we were very fortunate as well to have like really good charity or local development partners in gold global uh who are actually HQ in Dunleary but have a regional office over in Malawi and just working directly with the guys there and more importantly working directly with the farmers on the ground to get the feedback you know I did a quick pre-pilot which I think was eight farmers nine farmers correction um in which we like ironed out a couple of the you know, tweaked out a couple of things that need to be fixed with the product itself. And then other than that, one hundred planters made by local blacksmiths delivered to one hundred farmers locally through the local development partner.
0: Damn, so you have, you have the pilot done now or done is it finishing
1: up? yeah, done and dusted. So done you know, very happy with you know very happy with the results as well. You know, it's important to note that none of this would be possible without the support from, from you know from, from two from our two first clients, you know, the University of Limerick Foundation and, and Citibank in Europe. Um, so, you know, really good to kind of have that credibility also, you know, not only from like, I suppose for me, I always wanted to fight the hard yards with this pilot program because if you get this one right, which thankfully we did, it was fantastic and would give like a serious foundation for going forward. Um That's where the kind of the whole importance of partnerships came into play. Having a well established local development partner so far as gold global, uh, but having two clients, one academically inclined well, foundation and one very renowned in the corporate sphere, you know, Citibank, like one of the biggest banks in the world and having like their European HQ back this, um, and and back this essentially take a chance. Like you know, obviously everything was planned down to a T. But at the end of the day, you're trying to pitch a, a major financial institution about hand planters for Malawi. It's uh, so you know it's a, a bit of a bit of pitching and a lot of trust from Citibank had to go into. it, But uh, thankfully, it paid off for everybody involved.
0: So you you won this Anactus competition and then you won the Peace and Trade. How did you go from that to getting Goal and a U, UL? So, yeah, so as a goal, UL and
1: Citibank yeah.
0: supported this pilot. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, how did you go from winning an actus and the um, peace trade to getting this? Yeah,
1: so the Forbes article came out and, like, you know, we finished up with like, all the peace trade stuff. I think it was May of 2019. But Moyano well, was still stagnant. It was still just an idea, you know, like I kind of mentioned that earlier. So I was like, Do you know what now? I need to learn a bit more about it all. So, me being the rational student that I am, decided to take a gap year. It's, um, just dropped out of college for a year. I was like, right, I'm going discovering things. I was very fortunate to be selected as the United Nations Youth Delegate for Ireland um, for the year twenty nineteen through twenty twenty. Uh, I fell on a couple of like you know really good things. It was a you know five anniversary. It was a half decade anniversary of the SDGs. It was um it was Ireland's final year in, in bidding, uh, successfully bidding for the Security Council, which is, like you know the main organ of the United Nations. And it was there that I just learned a lot more about, you know, sustainable development as a whole. And more importantly, what was needed as a sector in terms of like the agricultural development, but more so what Moyunua could possibly do. Um, as well as that, like similar to, you know, an act just got chatting to people. That's how I got, um, that's how the conversation with Gold Global started. It was over outside UNHQ in New York. Um, there was like these really noticeable green lanyards that like Team Ireland would wear. And like any Irish delegate, any Irish guest would kind of wear them um, over in the grounds of UNHQ, just be easily recognisable. And um, saw two people getting a photograph taken by... They they were clearly Irish because they had lanyards. uh, A woman and a man. And they were getting a bit of a slagging from whoever the photographer was. It was a random photographer. Kind of slagging them for being Ireland. But I was walking past. I was going on a coffee break. I turned around and kind of slagged the photographer back. Messing. There was no insulting or anything like that. It's... um, and I got called in to take the photograph for these two people. I was like, "Oh, grand, yeah, no hassle, no idea who these people were." Kind of got chatting to them, anyways, and it turns out one of them was CEO of Gold Global, um, the other one was CEO of Concern Worldwide, um, Siobhan Walsh and Dominic McSorley. And I was like, "Oh, okay, hi, how are you?" So I kind of got chatting, like you know, about the about the youth delegate side of things first and foremost, because that's why i was there generally speaking in the unhq there isn't a few there aren't a lot of babyface people around the place it's uh so you know it was a pretty good initial icebreaker and talking point and um mentioned i was from limerick and stuff like that which uh, turned out like siobhan from goal was from limerick as well so we were kind of slagging dominic from not being from Limerick, just having to crack like very simple things and then i was like listen i have an idea ran him through my Inua and um Started chatting with Siobhan, started chatting with Goal, got some great contacts. First and foremost, Eamon Jarky, director of fundraising and marketing site in Goal, who was still in date with emails on a weekly basis. And we still, like, we're still very close because he was like the main contact point for the pilot program. And essentially kind of took it from there. They, you know, met with Goal, kind of chatted about the idea, very honestly, where the issues were, what I wanted to do, and worked with them in developing that pilot. So that's how it kind of came about. But like, you know, definitely that gap year was, was the makings of Moedua.
0: Damn um so you took the gap year was it because you like or i have this unreal idea Moyanua. i need to take time to figure it out
1: Uh mixture of the two i hadn't a clue what i wanted to do myself either um i was uh, honestly like the gap year was a trial run to see like what would i do if i just dropped out uh i, I mentioned it before i'm not an academic person whatsoever like the leaving cert you have to drag me through i don't i'm too stubborn for my own good that's the problem i hate conformity for the sake of conformity um and that's kind of like, that was probably one of the main reasons. But there was a couple of reasons, like learning more about what I knew, because I knew there was something there. I just didn't know what it was. Uh, I need to learn more about myself. I didn't know what I was about. And then just try and figure out the whole college thing. You know, like I'm back in college now, so it is a good story. But, uh, you know, probably those three things would be the main things, Um, insofar as why I took that gap year.
0: Okay. And what was, so you, you took this gap year. What did you do during the gap year, and um, what was your plan? What to for what to do? Yeah, the
1: youth delegate role took up the vast majority of things. Um, along with like you know a bit of work on my new side. Like I mean, the youth delegate role is I tried to make it as full time as possible. So I mean, before COVID, I was on a flight maybe every four to six weeks um, because you're representing Ireland. You know, at the United Nations, so there were trips to you know Geneva, New York, um, Berlin, Brussels. think those are the four countries i don't know if i had been anywhere else but uh and like a lot of trips to dublin i was living like i don't know if you know like dublin coach that green bus the m7 express i was living on that bus uh, because obviously i'm from west limerick but i had to commute up to dublin very frequently so i'd say i was on that bus every week um like twice a week you know once up once down and um just different events you know attending different workshops different discussions like representing ireland representing young people but also kind of joining roundtable discussions joining actual events and, and um Different things like that. You know, so like it was a very, it was a mad year. Lots of different things. There were two youth delegates together representing all 17 SDGs and kind of representing Ireland at the UN, representing youth in Ireland at the UN and vice versa. So it was, um, it was a demanding role, but it was really good. Learned a lot. Learned an awful lot. And to get that
0: role at the UN, did you, you just... How did you even find out about it?
1: I found out about it for the first time when the Deputy Secretary General was uh, over in Dublin. The two MCs for the night were the two youth delegates, which um, I would end up like taking on from their roles. So, like, you know, when they finished up, I, I became one of the youth delegates there. And uh, they were the MCs for the night. But it's an open application. like Anyone under 25 can apply still to this day. Um, applications open generally around February time. Um, and, and you're it for a year. Like, it's, it's, it's unpaid, which is if you, like, you get your expenses covered, if that makes sense. And, you know, like, you get a stipend if you're out abroad, um, in like New York and Geneva and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I just applied. Like, I had no experience of politics, diplomacy or anything. like, certainly not bureaucracy, but I had more And again, had that weird combination of curiosity and stubbornness that, um, I said, you know what? Nothing to lose from applying. I can guarantee it when I applied, did not expect to get it. Uh, but I said, sure, look, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't apply um similar to whip like the exact same as whip applied for whip and UW program around the same time i actually would like to say for the same year didn't get whip got UN uw program and now got whip.
0: damn damn yeah it's going to be pretty full-on um doing that un thing it sounds yeah um yeah is it supposed to be full-time like is it supposed to be something that you can't do if you're doing full-time college
1: uh no you can definitely do it during college uh but i was due to go to france uh So I'm doing like a dual degree with University of Limerick where you spend one half of your degree here in Ireland, one half of your degree in France. You come up with two degrees, like two separate degrees at the end of it. So I would go to France that September. Um I was like, So I wouldn't have been able to do like I wouldn't have been able to do it from France, not at all. But then know if you're in Ireland, you, you should be pretty OK. OK.
0: And um you just every couple of weeks you go off on a, a delegation take over your fees would that not take you out of college if you were in full-time college yeah
1: yeah it depends on how intense your it depends on how intense your courses it's um you know like thankfully like i'm international business so like if you know if i was in there for example you know you travel to lectures generally speaking people don't mind if you say that you're representing ireland at the un uh it's a pretty good uh you know pretty good thing to get like an extension or something like that i can imagine i was just happier there but it's um you know slightly different saying that your dog ate your homework at least you can say you were representing international diplomacy (laughs)
0: Yeah. Damn. So you did that. And now what's next? You're doing WIP, obviously, over the summer. What's next for Moyanui? Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's focusing on that scale-up. It's focusing on, uh, you know, pro- program number two. So that's kind of like the, the primary thing right now. You know, currently running a post- post-mortem on the um on the pilot program to figure out. We kind of know everything that went right, but I'm more interested in figuring out what can be improved on. And uh, then from there, moving on, you know, like, you know, in discussions with Citibank, you know, who are very interested in kind of like scaling this up quite a bit, and, um, you know, in early scale stage discussions with other relevant, um, bodies and something like that kind of like, you know, get the next, get it under its, uh, feet or get it on its feet more so, um, going forward. The biggest thing about the pilot program was see if it worked across the board. And thankfully it did. There were certainly no critical errors. And to be fair, there were very few things that need to be changed or adapted, um, because they were all done during that pilot program. So that's kind of where the, you know, the weird space. I know I mentioned it before, you know, that weird space between startup and scale up is kind of there. Um, formulating, or you know, forming it as a startup, forming it, you know, startup social enterprise, but at the same time scaling it up, post pilot. Uh, so it's weird. It's like busy, very weird time, but it's 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 very exciting. Uh, and I can say that honestly because I I know what it's like when it's not exciting. <laughs> I know what it's like when it's when it's too badly stressful and things like that. And I can safely say it's, it's uh it's pretty enjoyable at the moment.
0: Okay, so you've done your so you're you're, you're kind of between startup and scale up, which means like you have your idea you have your product, you know exactly what it's going to look like. And now you just need to put money into it and make them and get them into the farmer's pull hands. Pull like a
1: dog, man. That's all you got to do at the moment. It's uh, you know, proof of concept across the board, not only in the idea, but the product, the process, the actual, you know, business validity is getting better. Certainly it's, it's certainly a state where it can scale up. And, um, then, as you said, it's just getting partners outlined, like getting a couple of shared values, a couple of shared, you know, virtues, most of the values, you know, a couple of shared objectives there. And, um, Plowing on. <laughs> That's yeah. basically, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple.
0: Okay. You're pretty far ahead, so, in, um, yeah, compared to where you were a y- even a year even ago. Even a year
1: ago. Yeah, the pilot program, like, I mean, it's made a world of difference. That we can say objectively, like, you know, with quantifiable data, with qualitative data also, like, you know, video testimonials, all that sort of stuff, the thing works. Farmers want it, partners want it, like, everybody's happy. So, like, there's, if there was ever excuses before to not do it, which there never really were, there's certainly no excuse not to do it now.
0: So, in the past four years, you've come up with the idea. You've really worked on the idea and refined the idea to a really good product. You've um, and you've got funding, and you've done a pilot program yeah. that took you about four years. How do you think that could be done in, like, say, six months? Knowing that what you know oh, now, definitely. oh, definitely,
1: without question. Like, the learning curve has been massively. Massively altered, thankfully. it's uh, And it's one thing I had to become okay with. I'm incredibly impatient, like so impatient. And when I put it into context, more so like when I put it in the fact that I had no clue what I was doing, like there, there was a lot of personal learning that I had to do along the way. It makes it a bit easier. But like four years is a long time, uh, especially at this age. Like, because uh, I was saying in an interview there the other day, like I've been doing more, and more for over 20% of my life. Um still get a paycheck <laughs> you know what i mean and have been doing other things as well don't get me wrong like college has been full-time have like had that un program had all these sorts of things it's only now that i'm starting to transition more into or not transition i've jumped fully into, more into as a full-time thing like you know treating it as a startup but uh definitely i can safely guarantee it won't take four years to get to to get the same level of progress
0: yeah and how what would, what would those steps be for someone now who Maybe has an idea how what steps should they follow to, to get it to where you are now um
1: reach out to people definitely, like there's some really good people, depending on where you are, like you know lectures like if you're fortunate enough to be in third level you know lectures and stuff like that um innovation centers like the one I'm in at the moment um like reach out to experts like generally like if you're a young person, if you're a student, you get away with sending like sending emails that like nobody else would look at, you know it's um like if i said as you know third year student hi i have this uh you know chat to the ceo of like i don't know coca-cola or something mad you coca is a bad example like of palace for example um and be like hey have this idea mind if i chat like i'm a student and like play the student card so much if you're not a student it's a lot harder to kind of get those conversations but if you're a student everybody's been a young person before you know what i mean so you kind of have that shared sense of trying to start out you know trying to make something for yourself you know, whether that's faking until you make it or, you know, actually just trying to make it. Um, but I definitely say reach out to people, just explore the idea and just chat about the idea as often as possible. But you'll learn over time what is good advice and what is bad advice. And that's what I would say. And it can change. And like, I know for me to start, I was, if I got negativity, I'd be very sensitive about it. Um, whether it's about me, whether it's about new and like, let's, I want to be perfectly honest with you, for a long time the majority of news or the majority of feedback from Moinu was pretty negative. Good idea. It was never going to be anything. Um, would like to think that's slowly changing now. Like, would like to think it's slowly starting to become something uh, where a lot of people didn't see it would be. But you know, you got to have the perseverance as well, which is tough. Like, I can safely say there's been a lot of times where I've been really down to dumps um, because I didn't believe in Moinu. Know. You know, as a result, just like listening to too much of that sense of negativity that I mentioned earlier. Um, maybe that's where it all came from. But, just chat about it. Just learn about things. Push it as much as you can while still looking after yourself. And um, chase your curiosity. Definitely, first and foremost, just chase those things. Chase those ideas, especially now while you can.
0: And finally, this is the last question, and that'll let you go. Um, any good books you've read
1: lately? Uh, I'm currently reading reading a number of different ones. The one always about like, new product innovation, Zero to One. The book's called Zero to One by Peter Thiel uh it will challenge you to be good at coming up with good pragmatic ideas um i'm reading a book called thirst at the moment which is about this charity like this really good charity called charity water uh just kind of it essentially revolutionized how fundraising is done for like large scale um charity is a pretty good story really good story um we're currently reading simple numbers 2.0 at the moment because i'm really dumb when it comes to finances and i'm trying to be less dumb and um Yeah, different ones. I'm always a fan of the Martin Luther King Jr. biography. Don't ask me why. I absolutely love it. I've read it a couple of times. Um, but yeah, those, sorry, that's, those are a lot of books and all like very different things. Um, you know, for product development, zero to one, like it will challenge you. And Jesus, if you weren't a nihilist before about like your own, your own capabilities, you will be after reading that sometimes. They really force you to think different. Um, Charlie Water, the, the first one about Charlie Water, just in terms of like, essentially effective fundraising kind of getting people on the same mission especially for like you know the, the social enterprise charity side of things um simple numbers just for finance at the moment don't know if it's good enough i've only just started it and um uh, martin luther king jr if you want a good biography
0: um uh, i must give that a read that peter thiel one. yeah i must read that by what else, does he have any other
1: books oh uh, book? it's his only book he's a lot of discussions he, he's really good um did a really good panel discussion in South by Southwest. Uh, it's on YouTube. Like, YouTube is my best friend. YouTube and Wikipedia. Um, but then, like, Jen, like, you talk about productive procrastination. Definitely looking up Peter Thiel. Um, who has his good things and his bad things? Like, you know, not going to fully vouch the guy, but, um, he was one of the founding members of PayPal back in the day. And now he's just running the VC, like proper Silicon Valley, which doesn't align directly to Moinua. Not at all whatsoever. Like, it's social enterprise. Like, we are not tech, but. Kind of having that ruggedness and that kind of that self, account, like that that accountability to ensure that you're coming up with good products, would definitely highly rec- highly recommend reading Zero to One, but just watching him speak. He like there's a lot of stuff on YouTube there about him, like where he gives various discussions over the years. So definitely look at him.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. we'll finish up there. Uh, where can people find up find find out more about yourself and Moyano? Uh,
1: yeah, for sure. Like you can, I suppose, like LinkedIn is kind of like my Snapchat and my Instagram, so you can get me on LinkedIn. I think it's at it's Jack O'Connor. Um, and then with Moyonua, definitely an unusual spelling, but if you go to m-o-y-o-n-u-a.org, that's the website. Like, same spelling across the board, like, you know, whether you're going on LinkedIn, Twitter, but definitely any questions, like, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um love jumping into rabbit holes about Moyonua. Like, if you have, if you, if you see whatever you see in Moyonua whatever, if you don't like something, please do reach out to me and let me know because I love... It's weird, at the start, I was always shying away from tearing into Moyanua. You talk about hobbies. Probably one of my hobbies is ripping Moyanua to shreds and trying to figure out ways to make it better. Um So definitely reach out or just, you know, for things in general, as you've definitely seen from this podcast. And as Harry, you already know, I don't shut up. So chat to me while well, entering. Jack,
0: thanks a million. I'll stop it now.